there's not enough emphasis on kindness these days. And kindness is such a powerful tool. It doesn't mean giving up your sense of being right. But I've found that to default to kindness rather than being correct in an argument is a way to open the doors to conversation, stuff like that. Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth that most live with more months than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Welcome back to part two with Kevin Tate's. Um, I am so jacked up. We had such a great first episode. We barely scratched the surface of what Kevin can share and such a knowledgeable individual. He's a person that I admire and respect. He's literally gone through trials and tribulations, skinned his knee, got back up, <laughs> fought through adversity right? Been broke, yeah. has success, still is humble. That's the type of person we need in our lives to associate with and connect with. Even if you never get to know Kevin, that's the type of person you need to follow, check out, reach out, whatever you need to do, but you're going to get a taste of even more now in part two. So Kevin, we wrapped up with, you know, some great conversation. You talked about visualization. We're not going to yeah. get into some of the other questions because it would be a disservice to that flow of the conversation. You talked about visualization and I know you had some, you wanted to talk about goal setting and stuff and you had some comments and questions yourself. So how about we start off with that going from the flow of visualization and how important that was like, just yeah. to reiterate, if you could just reiterate a little bit of why visualization is so important and then flow into where you want to go from there well visualization is it's literally a constructive tool and people kind of get repelled from it because they think it's it's a it's a bunch of crap typically on the surface it's not taught in schools and it's not common knowledge if anybody's ever studied um martial arts visualization is an important part of that if anybody's ever studied yoga yoga has integrated visualizations as well meditation is literally visualization talk about storyboards or dreamscapes or you know, certain cultures have this ingrained in them. So visualization from a societal perspective is nothing new, but it really isn't part of common language. So I learned that from people that were mentors to me and how to use that tool. And it's been really instrumental and helpful for me. So for me, if I can say it in a short sentence, visualization is closing my eyes and having a realistic dream that I want to achieve a dream that is going to benefit me as well as someone else. And then thinking that dream through to the point to where now I can establish a plan of action in which to achieve the dream. Now, if, if I, if I say, close my eyes and say, Oh, I want to, um, I want to have an Island in the South Pacific with a heliport. 
If that's my visualization, come on, that's not a realistic goal. But if I visualize that I want X income so that I can take 30% of it and give back to my training programs, and I want to, I want to do this, and, and in by five years, I want to have two more books out and be on a public speaking circuit. That's a that's an achievable goal. And I'm just spitballing with stuff like that. So if somebody is considering visualization as a tool, use it as a tool that can benefit not only you, not in an egotistical manner, but in a way that will benefit other people, because truly that's when energy happens. That's Serving. when synergy yeah. happens. Service. Yeah. 100%. So for me, that's the best way to approach that and to look at that, right? Don't you well, think? Well, visualization is so important. Here's the thing. So you mentioned in the last episode about my podcast that went live this week. And one of the snippets I put up was just a small snippet from uh, a speech that I did in Sandy, Utah, right out of Salt Lake back in the fall of 2021, just before I met you, actually. I'd, I'd wow. flown there and had that recorded. I paid to get it recorded because it was so powerful what my message was because obviously getting coaching from from Tony, our mutual friend, Tony Watley, and a bunch of other people. And I practiced that, that speech. And before yeah. I did that speech, though, I'd lay in bed and I'd, and I'd visualize myself walking, right, being even nervous. I even visualized the nervousness yep. that I was going to feel and, and going up on stage. And I visualized the pin drop effect. And that may sound weird, but I visualize people connecting to my story and mm -hmm. me delivering that energy, giving the audience my energy and them being completely pin drop quiet then to yeah. them cheering. And it all happened, but I mm -hmm. visualized it first and, and it was such a surreal thing. Like, I don't know if that's even the right word, but it was just, it was no, just, it, it was very, it, and I'd highly recommend people visualize. And what I will add though, is visualization through everything you meant when I, I do gratefulness exercises, when I go to bed, yes, I do them when I get up. They don't have to be long, people listening. They can be as simple in the morning. I I literally have gratitude for getting up and being able to stand on my feet and having legs to move me, arms to service myself yeah. in the sense of brushing my teeth and showering, washing up hands and stuff like that. But I'm laying in bed thinking about that, but I'm visualizing it. I'm visualizing right. my feet. I'm visualizing my hands and having that appreciation. Mm -hmm. And then at night when I go to bed, I have gratitude and gratefulness and visualize my day and the things that went on, good, bad, and ugly, because it's not always good. Let's be real. Yeah. yeah. But right. It's all about it's all about that. And that's how sure. I developed a coaching part part of my program where I help people never have a bad day. Only bad moments. I haven't had a bad day, brother, in at least I'd probably say six, seven years, if not longer, because yeah, I yeah. have to practice that. That's a practice skill. But it's that's all about visual, yeah. it, it's tied to visualization, though. It absolutely because if I vision, if I visualize that negative thing to be a monster in my life, to be a negative, yeah. and it will overtake me, right? So a, a visualization right. of our bad moments can be easy to trap, to correct, and then you can still have a good day. You only yes. have bad moments. Yes. And people also need to realize that you can't just wake up one day and go, oh, I'm going to visualize. It's a tool mm -hmm. and it has to become a habit. Now, habits take, uh, it's a repetition, a factor of 60. 
whether it's 60 days or something like habits take 60 days to really become ingrained, you know, and that's why so many New Year's resolutions for exercise don't come to pass. They don't become reality because people don't give it 60 honest days or 60 tries. So people have to realize that just because you change your mind on something, you'll go have have a thought and say, man, that's a great idea. If you don't follow through with it, with visualization, visualization techniques and learning that skill, then it's, it's just going to become something that didn't work for you. So you got to put in the reps. You got to put in the work as well. Not that everything has got to be hard work, but you have to follow through with it. And, and you've done that and you create that. And, and that's one of the reasons that it works for you is because you have decided to put in the work. So congratulations for that. And everybody some, some, listening- of, it's, some of it's been fluke though, to be honest with you. I didn't realize until uh, it was, and I'm just being honest with you. So Back in, Tony and I met through an organization called the Arte Syndicate, which is fronted by Ed Milette and Andy Frisella. And mm-hmm. one of the things that Ed talks about, and I've known Ed like as a person, as a speaker for 18 years because of the finance industry. And Ed talked about, I remember one of the first Arte events I went to where I actually met Tony face to face. He was a speaker there, got to speak. And I went and talked to him and, and Ed was talking about visualization. And I went, hey, what he's talking about i do what that's called yeah. visualization I, and honestly that's only 2018 5 years ago right, right. so it, it's just like wow i was doing something i didn't know it had a label uh-huh <laughs> right? yeah and i and wow it is that important i didn't realize how important it was in my life so i'm just being honest with the listeners and people watching and you that sometimes you can do things in life that work for you and you don't even know yeah. why just through a different mechanism, you created that habit a long time ago, which yeah. is great. I mean, it's, you know, and it's nothing is a singular pathway to success. They're all tools that we bolster our progress with. And it's important to have things. And, and you know, it may not work with you all the time, 365 It days. doesn't, it doesn't. But, but you know, so sometimes you got to pivot, you got to change things up a little bit. But if you have those things in your arsenal, um, you know, the, the the saying is that there is no today, there's no tomorrow, there's only now. Well, you know, that sounds like a haiku. It sounds like poetry. It sounds like this this woo-woo thing that's like, oh, yeah, or, you know, it's not crap. You know it's true. But the, the more that we realize that and the power that we have to change anything or to keep and maintain anything is in this moment. That's the only time of reality we're ever going to experience. We can plan for tomorrow. We can remember yesterday. But, the, but being in here and now, is literally a process, a product of visualization and of a mindful, um, mindful thinking process and existing. So I don't want to go too far into spirituality or anything like yeah. that, but we all have our own version and levels of that that we have every day. I find for me, the more I try and focus in on, um, on the importance of here and now and being in action and being positive uh, in the moment, the better my plans for the future layout and the less anxiety I have, quite honestly, it -hmm. comes down to that for me because I, you know, I I see things in my, and and I want to accomplish so many goals and the the more success and experience I have, the more I want to achieve, the more I want to give back. So I can wrap tight real quick and I can wrap into anxiety and I can keep myself up at night with the thought processes that I have uh, very easily. So it helps me control anxiety too. In today's society, we all are experiencing that. We all have a lot of things, a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of different directions that we're going all at once. Anxiety is, is just what we experience these days. So 
Uh, for me, visualization, mindfulness, all those types of things help me manage that condition in myself. It grounds me, absolutely. A hundred percent. Right. Yep. And it and it does. I, I suffer from anxiety most of my life and and a few of my kids do too. And I had to learn years ago. I think I, I first started learning probably would have been, you know, I don't even think I've ever shared this in my own podcast, probably when I went through my divorce and that was already, um, I got separated, divorced in, uh, 1998 by 2000, I was divorced, but I was attending a men's group on how to deal with the grief of the loss because it is a loss, yeah, right? It is. And one of the biggest things that that men's group taught me, and I know I've never shared this, was um, the ability to understand our triggers. And mm. I didn't at that time in my life, I didn't know the difference between depression and anxiety. They don't teach you life skills in school. They teach no. you, they, <laughs> they right? teach you so, how to balance a checkbook. In yeah. School. Yeah. So literally the instructor was so kind and he literally, there was a small group of us. I think there's about six, maybe eight of us in that little men's group. They only allowed so many people. And I went every single week for approximately three months. And he taught me about the difference between depression and anxiety. He taught me to analyze my uh, my anxiety triggers. so that it, And I've used that ever since. And that's a long time now. It's from 1998 yeah. till now when I took that program. And I've used some of the tools that that gentleman taught me. And he was a mentor to me and doesn't even realize it. I don't even know how I could find him, but he taught me little things like that to appreciate yeah. the fact that even when that I can, he said, even appreciate the fact that you recognize it, that you're working on that skill that oh, my chest is tightening. I got yes. this other trigger going on. You're getting anxiety. Your breath, has, your breath is more shallow. You're not going to make good choices. You might not yep. say the right things to people. And uh -huh. am I perfect at it? No, but I've gotten better throughout my life so that I am always not poking the bear. Like I tell my kids, don't poke the bear. I'm not intentionally trying to agonize people. Am I human? Yes. I made a mistake earlier this week with a client and now I've got to, you know, work through it with that yeah. client and and own my part of things. People listening and watching, own your shit, right? Yep. Own your stuff. Yeah. You make a mistake. Even if you have kids, I had to learn growing up with my kids as a single dad, raising my five kids, I had to learn to apologize. Even if it was an hour later or a day later, I'd go to them and very kindly. And I do. I have to do the same thing with clients because I'm a work in progress. Remember, I'm not perfect, but I realize when I make a mistake, it, I flip it on its head. It's a life lesson. I go and apologize. I am humble to whoever it is. It doesn't matter if it's yeah. a kid, if it's an adult, if it's a client, if it's whoever it is, just be, just be real, be sincere yeah. with people. And is it going to work a hundred percent of the time? No, but it'll work no, with it's enough not. people that deserve to be in your tribe. Yeah. But there's not enough emphasis on kindness these days. And no. kindness is such a powerful tool. It doesn't mean giving up your sense of being right. But I've found that to default to kindness rather than being correct in an argument is a way to open the doors to conversation, stuff like that. And, you know, we can talk about personal things all day long, but you and I both know that these tools parlay into professional business way more than we think, sometimes subliminally, sometimes in ways that we don't even think we're manifesting. You talked about that feeling in your chest, that tightness in your chest and that gut feeling that we have. And we know, you and I know, because we've studied these things, that fear manifests in the diaphragm. Mm -hmm. Diaphragm tightens up 
the way the body works is that the diaphragm has to be loose in order to give good vocal expression, in order to be a singer. I learned this in the, the physics and the, the physicality of being uh, an entertainer and a singer and a speaker, a television host, a radio host. We have to have control of our diaphragm because it controls so much of our expression. So even if that one little thing tightens up, it can change people's perception of what we intend. So to master that, not master that, but even like you said, recognize, oh, I'm being triggered. I now I feel this. So be careful what you say, because it might come out sideways. Those tools in business to realize that not everything is personal. Not every attack is personal. You don't know the day that that person on the other end of the Zoom call has had or on the other end of the Teams meeting or the phone call. You don't know if their inventory, their big machine in the industrial manufacturing warehouse just went down and they're barely keeping up. You don't yeah. so so of to course. default to, to not be triggered to not act on our triggers and to default to to a kindest mindset it sometimes can can save relationships literally right oh absolutely and and you know and I get teased all the time you know about the fact that I'm Canadian and oh we're super kind well guess what people listening in the U.S. or any of the other 32 countries beside Canada and the U.S. that my show is listening to. And now there's kindness everywhere. You yeah. know, you put us, I hear people in other countries. And when I've traveled to the Middle East or Greece or even in the U.S., I, even when I was just there recently with Tony and gang in Texas and people that had never met me before, he had a 365 a, a gathering. He invited, at least put together, invited people. And there was people that drove from, Galveston, people that drove in from other places in Texas to get together with us and meet me. And their first impression was, oh, you Canadians are so nice. Well, you, you guys are too. Quit, yeah. You know, you got to pat yourself on the back sometimes mm -hmm. is what I'm saying, right? Yes, we can be extremely kind. Where There's asshole Canadians too, people, right? There's, <laughs> trust me, I live here, yeah. right? There's yeah. people here that I'd love to throw chop. I don't, right? There's people that yeah. deserve to be buried <laughs> under my deck, but they're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but at yeah. the end of the day, kindness is something that you need to practice. Yeah, and you, you need, need to learn. Your, the you need to, yes, and you need to yeah. and you need to understand the triggers so that you can stay kind, so yeah. that you're known as a person. In my 70-30 principle, where there's seventy percent of the time you want to be around me because you know I'm going to be kind seventy percent of the time. Thirty percent of the time, maybe I'm a bit of a dick or an ass or whatever you want to call me. Maybe you just maybe you just think I'm a pos. I don't know, but seventy percent of the time, when you think of me, you're glad, you're happy. Yeah, you don't have triggers when you're thinking about Dwight. But if yeah. fifty percent of the time, and that's just a basis of my my seventy thirty principle, I basically fifty percent. If it hits fifty fifty with Kevin and I, bye bye. Yeah. I don't want to fifty percent at a time wonder if I'm gonna what what's gonna come out of Kevin, right? Yeah, what's gonna come out of and, his and mouth. You know, how is he gonna act? If it's seventy percent of the time, I know I'm gonna have a smile on my face when I think of you. Perfect, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm a firm believer in the fact that like energy attracts like energy, and we surround ourselves with the people that we are most alike. And when we gravitate towards people that are kind, that are happy, well, then that's the statement of how we are working within our own our own self and our state of mind particularly. So, you know, it's fine to still be friends with somebody at a distance. I think Princeton Clark says it, you know, I can love everybody, just some people at arm's length. Yeah. You know, Princeton's and that's, that's awesome. brilliant. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Princeton. And that's yeah. that, that really resonated with me because, you know, I have friends that maybe I don't keep up with or maybe that don't 
serve what I'm trying to do right now. And a service, them serving me, that sounds wrong, but that don't help facilitate what it is that I'm trying to do right now. And they're still my friends. I still but you can them, love but, somebody, but not like yeah. who they are now. You can, right. you and, can have and somebody and they're on their per, own journey too. Yeah. You don't have to have somebody in a, your whole life. They could yeah. be a season, a reason, right? They, mm -hmm. they were there for a while. Like yeah. I've got, I've got family members that I love, but I don't like, and people say that's impossible. Absolutely. It's possible. I yeah. love them for the past. I love them for what we used to have. I don't like where they are now because I'm constantly on the climb. My life is about climbing. Do I get stalled in camp once in a while? Yeah, but I'm always yeah. trying to realize, oh my gosh, I've been camped the last few days. What can yeah. I do to change that? Whereas they're always camped. Their mindset is stuck. They're nine to five, go to work, go home, get paid. And they come home and they're not happy from their work. And they're not happy when they go to bed, they get up and, they, and they're on that hamster wheel of life that I talk yeah. about all the time. And I don't want that. So yeah. I can still love that person that I used to be in that state of mind with. Maybe I was the same as them. And I just all of a sudden triggered and changed and climbed. That's okay. I can be yeah. that. I can still love them. I don't mm -hmm. have to necessarily like them anymore. And I can distance how much time I spend with them. And I practice that too and coach people on how to deal with that difficult person that they still have to be around. But a lot yeah. of people in my life, if they're not directly family related, I don't ever talk to again. They go on their journey. I go on mine. We might run into each other, a mutual event. And I'm polite. I'm cordial. I'm kind. I'm always kind because you know what? Nobody deserves to have me belittle them or make them feel worse than they already feel in their own skin because as you mentioned we don't know where they're at in their journey yeah. in life and especially yeah. if you're disconnected from them now you don't know so it's just time to move on and that's okay you can still love them and move yeah. on and stick with the associations as you mentioned that are like-minded have the same energy and synergy with one another yeah so people that maybe didn't hear the first part of it maybe they don't know where you and i met and we met okay. at yeah. the three, 365 driven event in uh tucson arizona i was a keynote speaker and and uh dwight was there so and we we struck up a friendship and we have you know we're we're mutually canadian and all those types of things so we're we're, we're friends for all the right reasons and um for me i want to talk a little bit about and address um it's kind of a movement to where people, especially entrepreneurs, have figured out that we need to do work on ourselves. You know, and me, I'm I'm a, a trades instructor, and and I know that somebody to get better at their craft needs to become more educated and do some training and do some skill development stuff. And um, it's it's taken me a long time to realize that as well as I work on my maybe my financial freedom, maybe my, my work skills, maybe even communication skills. I need to work on myself as much as that. So that's one of the biggest reasons that I like to go to events like that. You know, it might be a trend right now to do business development, go on a retreat and do that. And we do, you know, skydiving or hiking is bond, you know, whatever the trust exercise, whatever, however you want to say that these events go. I particularly like Tony's events because it's very real. There's no separation between speakers and, and, and people that are attendees. I got as much out of private conversations as that as anybody else did listening to me or any of the other speakers. And it was a fantastic event and life changing for me. So that's part of the power of, of the, the realization within ourselves that we need to seek external influence for self-improvement. 
And I know you put a lot of uh, value in this with your career. So given that advice, the fact that you and I met, and we'll be friends until we're both dust, but um, how important would you say is it to somebody listening that they at least consider going to some growth events or entrepreneur events, or even if they're not entrepreneurs, some sort of a, a, you know, would you advise that to people that you don't even know? Oh, absolutely. Um, so back up a little bit, met Tony at very large event, right? I knew who he was, but I didn't know who he was. And he was at an RTA event in October of um 2019 mm. I took my son Thomas and Thomas and I went and I was so enthralled by Tony only spoke for like four minutes five minutes maybe and I went and talked to him and Tony and I struck up a conversation and you know there was nobody else around and I told him what I was aspiring to do and he literally talks about that in the forward of my book when he first met me he wrote the forward for my book and the reason I mentioned that is because he wasn't sure about me, but I wasn't sure about him because I have gone to probably 300 different events in the last 30 years of my life, from my prior career as a computer consultant to being in the finance industry. And what, what these events are always so big. So even that event where I met Tony was a couple thousand people. It's wow. just like, it's just like, it, you feel like a digit. So you walk into these events and you, and it's like high school. You see these little clicks of people all yeah. over the place. Maybe <laughs> they've gone from event to event for event. Hey, John. Hey, Sally. Hey, Charles. Yeah. Hey, Sarah. And they all hang out with one another. They're not looking to commingle. They're not willing to step out of their comfort zone. And, and listeners, success is always outside of your comfort zone. And yeah. go over and start talking to different people. And I was practicing that the last years and that's why when i had the opportunity and i was down in and um where they were selling merchandise and stuff everybody cleared out because it was closing down on that day of the of the event was and i went over and i seen tony talking to somebody and i stood there patiently with thomas and i went over and i said and i put my hand out shook his hand and that is where my life changed because then fast forward the pandemic hit months later joined his society and he created on weekends we'd have social calls where people would have a cocktail some people didn't some people were smoking cigars some people were smoking weed whatever we were just yeah. hanging out as a as a collective commiserating in both a good and bad way sharing personal stuff business things how can i help you and that's how tony started the root of his 365 society went from there to his mastermind to his first event where which was in October of 2020 and travel was a SOB but yeah. I wanted to experience it there was only going to be like there was going to be less than 50 of us there I think there was like 30 of us there again that's where we hiked together we broke bread together we he had meditation we had um they had yoga the list goes on right? It was, it was an experience. So events like that, I, of course, once I experienced it, I've stood on top of a mountain and shouted about the fact of how many people need to be there. And I've directly, and this isn't to pat myself in the back, but because I am a very loyal person. I'm a person that will pitch the people and the things and the products and services they offer till the day I take my last breath, especially if it's touched me in my heart and my mind, right? And my soul. Yep. And I've pitched Tony's events to so many people 
that he direct he knows directly the people that have joined the society, people that have come to events because of my kindness and talking to them about it. Right. Yeah. I've had people call me and reach out to me and say, Hey, I need to come, you know, I'm thinking of going to this event. Can you tell me why it's so important? I have a choice between this event or this event. And I'll talk to them very straight up. Well, you already mentioned that last episode. I'm a very straight up person. I'm kind about yep. it, but I'm blunt. Right. Yep. And I just said, this is why you need to do it. That person went there and it has totally changed the trajectory of their life because they're friends of mine. Right. And they started out as a podcast guest. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the power of communication, the power of connection. So I, I constantly, you know, I've already talked to probably a dozen people about coming to Portugal and what they're going to experience because think about it, listeners and people watching events normally have large numbers, even if it's three, 400 people, that's too many for me. These events are, you know, geared around 50 people, right? Mexico, Tucson, very small. As you mentioned, we commiserate with one another. We talk with one another. We have joy with one another. We have libations with one another. We just enjoy each other. And I'm going to tell you a little story. So the Mexico event, I go there and I don't even, Tony changed the format of it. The first few days, first couple of days had nothing to do with the speaking and the events. He had just the way that things worked out. He had the activities and stuff first. So I get there and I walk into this resort with my son. I brought my son along. I travel with him. And when I can, I drag him along because he's my buddy. And he and I want him to experience this stuff and learn, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, only re- the only thing is, though, is he has to sit in the events. I'll pay for everything, right. but he has to come and learn. And, he has to, and I'm trying to teach him not to be so introverted. So we walk in. And then I look over at this table at one of these restaurants that was at the resort. And there's this man sitting there. And this man is sitting there with his wife and two little kids, single dad of five kids, four daughters. What do you think? I love, I love kids. Yeah. And they're two little cute little girls. And I just go over, hi. Oh, you're so cute. No. And I started talking to him. Hi, I'm Dwight. Oh, hi, I'm Jeremy. And I'm, and his wife started talking to me. Fast forward to the next day. I find out he's one of the speakers. Awesome. I've already got that connection and that synergy with him. And Jeremy is uh, the gentleman that I mentioned before we started recording that led me to that guy I interviewed yesterday for my show that was on shark tank and he owns a command your brand. He was one of their speakers. And my point for all that is that it's real. It's not a green room. People aren't getting off the stage and leaving. They're not just coming in to speak. They're there to connect. And that's the only way Tony will have people come into his events. You have to be there to share. You have to be there to be real The only difference between myself and let's say Jeremy is if we were doing the exact same thing, he is farther in the journey than me. Right. So he can mentor me. Maybe he can help Mm -hmm. me not have to trip so many times. Maybe he tripped 10 times and he can help me only trip five. Right. And he realizes also his role may be a mentor, maybe unattended, maybe even just by the fact that he said something that that resonates with somebody. He's an inadvertent or, you know, maybe uh Un, un, he doesn't realize he's being a mentor. So, you know, those are the, some of the great things that I pick up. So, you know, for anybody that's listening, if you can, if you can attend some talks and things like that, or even just podcasts on this, you know, Tony's got a great podcast, White's podcast, yep. a give a yep. podcast. There, there's so much gold. There's so much stuff that we can learn in between the cracks. Now, when I say in between the cracks, it's, it's in between pauses to where I need my focus to do my business. 
when I'm out in my workshop and I'm creating something, whether it's uh, one of my training courses or um, an antique vehicle that I'm restoring, something like that, I typically have podcasts on in the background. It used to be Led Zeppelin and Def Leppard screaming in the background, but these days it's more more of the stuff that <clears throat> that I will subliminally just hear and latch on to little pieces. So, you know, you don't have to go to Arizona to an event. They're super great, but but you can get as much uh, wisdom gleaned from from just audio podcasts, audiobooks, things like that. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, but you know one thing that we 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 I don't want to skate over no. relationships. You mentioned, Absolutely. You mentioned so that we're going to be friends yes. till dust. You know, that's good. Sorry. Yeah. It, the friendships are just amazing. The people yeah. I've met in the, and I was only able to go to three of the last four events because our border was cut, shut down. I couldn't get across to go to the Montana event, June of 2021 and bottom line, lifelong friends, you and yeah. I would have never met. If I wouldn't no. have stepped out on faith and went to that event and you're right, these events can be costly. People can't afford them. There's so much knowledge in between the spines of a book, like yeah. or an audio book or a podcast. Like, and you know, again, I'm not against people having fictional books, as you mentioned prior in another episode, re reading fictional books or listening to true crime podcasts. But at the end of the day, if your whole life is about living somebody else's life through what you watch, the television yeah. listen if you're always escapism and you're not looking to climb it's you're you're going to stay stuck yeah you, you, yep. you, right so you need to move Absolutely. forward and, and and interject like as as uh kevin's mm -hmm. talking about podcasts that are going to help because even if you're listening to them in the in the workshop your brain's picking up on it and you know what depending yep. on your mindset you're going to all of a sudden hear something and i that happens to me and I'll be working on paperwork. I'll have a podcast on because obviously Tony's my buddy. I listen to his podcast as often as I can. And I have a few other people. I'll go, what? And I stop doing what I'm doing. I hit the rewind button <laughs> just because my yeah. brain picked up on that word, right? Yeah. And you need to you need to hear it again. And sometimes we just need to to have that thing hit us. You know, the, the ratio is five times. That's what works in advertisement on the yeah. fifth time. That's why you have to buy an ad package and not just one billboard. It's the fifth time that people resonate because they heard it the first time. They didn't listen. The second time they heard it and they oh, I heard that before. The third time is like they picked up two words. The fourth time, oh, that might relate to me. The fifth time they actually listen to the freaking ad and understand what your product pitch is. So um, that's it's hard to convince somebody of that, but it's the same thing with other parts of our, our, our world as well. So, so you I wanted to some... bring something yeah, up too. Go ahead. Uh, and I'm sorry, but, but this is, this is related to how the, the, the time that you and I met, I came there and I was humbled beyond words that Tony would want me as a speaker for his event and to tell my story and things like that. And I knew that I would, I would, have um you know relationships and stuff and and you know tony and i had shared that car guy thing and and yeah. all that type of stuff and we we went and drove really badass cars at this track and it was a really really neat event it was lots lot of, of fun yeah but the thing that happened for me is that i came out of that event uh with a crystal clear vision of what it is that i need to spend probably the rest of my life doing and I had flirted with it and I knew I needed this, but you know, my career has been diverse out of necessity because you know, when some income streams dry up, you have to focus on other ones. So I've been kind of all over the map. 
Now it's served me because it's a diverse thing and I and it's it's developed this this mass of presence for me in media industry. So people say, oh yeah, I saw him there. Oh, yeah, I saw him on that corporate video or I heard him speak. So it's important for me to be diverse. But I left that event with this crystal clear vision and it was it was it went through my whole body. And I remember talking to my wife Judy about it. And it was like, oh my God, now I know. Now I know. I spent enough time with like-minded people that were career focused, that were selfless in sharing uh, really good information with other people for the sake of helping other people that my legacy and my focus on that became very, very clear to me. So I left with so much mojo and so much energy and I came back and I wrote a mission statement and I had notes and I had it laid out and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, and, and it was so empowering and and, and it's important. And I hold to that to this day. Here's the problem that happened for me. And and it, it, people think that, oh, I went to this event and I heard this great advice. And then I decided to do that. And bam, I've got a book. Life doesn't happen like that. You know, oh, I made my first million dollars after I heard that. No, there's a gap in there of stuff that happens. And for me, Dwight, it was, yes, I had this crystal clear vision. Now I know. The epiphany hit me. It's, man, it's it's taken me 20 years of my life to figure out this is what I do. And it was so important. And at the same time, it was a little bit overwhelming. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So I said, well, all I got to do is this, this, and this. And in a nutshell, it was create more training courses, get my courses into the public school system for shop classes into trade schools on a state level and Department of Corrections for people wanting to re-educate themselves, getting back into society, period. That's it. Um, technical training with a positive mindset. That's that's my business. That is my, what do you do? So here we go. I'm ready. How do I do that? The echo of that in the room of my brain was, was okay, what do you do? So yeah, of course, we all have to have challenges and and all that type of stuff. I, I just want people to realize that nothing happens just by thinking that it should or by knowing that it should. It's now it's more than a year later. It's a year and two months later. And the courses that I've got vision, I've got bullet pointed, mapped out, scripts done, all this type of stuff for my training courses. I'm just launching now the first one. I'm still having conversations with with people like ASE and ICAR and, and Tennessee Department of Education. I'm still having those conversations with people trying to figure out where my where my training falls in those conversations. I know I'm going to get there. And people have, have aligned with me on a very high level enough to figure out that this is going to happen for me. It's more than a year later. And the fire is still in my belly. The vision is still there. The goal is still there but I've got one training course done that's now on the market. Now, why did I go to sleep for 18 months? No. Did I stop working? No. Did my vision change? No. I, I had to live life. We have to make money. We have to do that. So for me to unplug from all of that and all of a sudden pivot and change gears and do all of this, well, it would have been catastrophic for my household. Can't do that. So I have to unplug from this version of reality and move to the next version. So I guess what I'm saying is that don't expect things to change overnight just because you have this wonderful new vision of what you need to be doing. It doesn't mean that it, you know, and, and it's been discouraging, quite frankly. And I want to say it out loud 
mostly as an affirmation for myself that it's okay that it's taken more than a year. It doesn't change the fact that I know what I need to do and that I'm crystal clear on my future and my pathway for my business and for my, my legacy. It doesn't happen on the flip of a dime, does it? It no. takes a little bit of time and it takes work. So again, you know, we look at life in retrospect and, you know, I can say, well, I pivoted from the music career. Now I do TV. No, 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 no. It didn't. It took 20 years for me to be able to say that. So I, I want people to forgive themselves if stuff doesn't magically appear. We talk about manifestation. We talk about visualization making things happen, creating our reality, the pebble in the pond and the energy comes back to the center, all of those things, none of it happens on, on a wish and a prayer. It happens with the idea backed up by a lot of hard work. So and I'm celebration though. And what I mean yeah. by celebration is along yeah. the way when you're trying to accomplish stuff. So, you know, I'll interject. You, you say it's been over a year. I'm the same way. Uh, it, things have happened. Sometimes I take too many things on and it affected me during the pandemic. I took so many things on to create my give a heck brand and do the book and create the podcast that I forgot to focus on my MMA. Like you said, like your money-making yeah. activity to bring money in that I was, the distractions were real. And part of the problem is when people have a vision and, and they have a, they put a time frame to it and they don't hit that or they quit just before they're about to hit it is they don't celebrate the little victories. They sit yeah. and they focus on the negativity of, Oh, I wanted it to go this way and it failed. And you know, what's going to happen tomorrow with this next thing that I was going to do Why don't I just quit instead of going, Oh, yesterday I had a success. And that's part of back to the gratefulness and gratitude. That's how it's helped Absolutely. me is to realize you know what? I'm a human being. I'm going to have, I'm going to fall, trip, skim my knee, dust myself off. I'm going to have gratitude for the fact that I had a win today. I'm going to mm -hmm. enjoy it. I'm not going to celebrate it too long, but I'm going to enjoy it. Whether it's 20 minutes, whether it's an hour, I'm going to sit and relish in it. I'm going to wallow in that success. And I'm not going to wallow in the failure that happened the next day. I'm going to go, Hey, yesterday was good. So I had a bad day, whatever. And if you have more yeah. than one bad day in a row, that's life. Absolutely. You know, it happens so, for you, not to you. It right? Absolutely. So my gratitude for this, the, the work and the struggle that I've been putting in for over the year is that I've got a new training course out. I've got affirmation. People are buying my base course. I've made incredible inroads into the eventuality that, that the place that my company is going to be. So I have to look at those as a win. So the course that I've got is, is called Passion to Profit transition your automotive hobby to a successful small business. And the course is, um, it's a course that's born out of the mistakes that I've made in losing my ass in business and figuring out things through my management training, through entrepreneurship, through being, standing on the shoulders of the genius people that I've been able to associate with in, um, in my world, in the automotive aftermarket. And this course is going to, if it helps one person, uh, it's going to change that person's life. And I really hope so. The way I qualify all of my training is if at, I had had exposure to this training at some point in my life, would it have made me grow and made me better? And the answer is a resounding yes for this course. So my win and my gratitude is I'm so grateful that I'm able to do this. I've got a new course coming out. So I have to take that win and just keep on pushing, right? Oh, of course. I mean, most people, you know, how many people in our lives, and maybe it's happened to you, it's happened to me, where we 
don't have the stick to or the proper mentors or associations. And we literally, people, you can visualize this that are listening. You, around the corner, you don't know what's going to happen. So you you make it to just before the corner of what you're trying to achieve and you let that failure set you back and you quit. Yeah. But yet yeah. right around the corner where, where you can't see because the light you can't see around the corner is your success. Mm-hmm. Had you taken one more step and hit the corner and seen around it, you would have known you were toward the light and Absolutely. you were going to be toward your success. And I've been there. I've, mm-hmm. I, I look at the things in my life and th- I thought to myself, you know, <clears throat> I had this opportunity and I didn't carpe diem. I didn't seize it because I let fear grip me. I didn't face it and rise. I just, you know, I, I quit just before that that celebration, that. right? 100%. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. there's ways around that. There's again, it's, what are you associating with? What are you putting yep. into your brain? It, you know what? And people listening, it's not just about what you put in your brain. Nutrition. I talk about this all the time. Oh gosh. What are you what are you eating? What yep. are, when are you eating? Are, are you, you masking your pain with alcohol? Yeah. Alcohol is a depressant. Yeah, for sure. And Absolutely. I drink I casual drinks. You and I have had a nice glass of whiskey together, but I yeah. don't use it as a tool to mask my sadness. No, I use it to celebrate because I know that if I'm in the wrong state of mind, I'm not drinking. Yeah. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing, I'm not going to watch a depressing show with somebody if I'm feeling depressed. Like people (laughs) are, people gravitate toward things that accentuate their state of mind when they don't realize that they're doing it. So it's important. It's important that we celebrate it's important that we we don't judge others um for their addictions because sometimes those addictions are pattern taught from childhood and that's how their family dealt with with trials and tribulations Mm -hmm. but all we can do is love on people and educate and work with those that are willing i always use that word you only can work with the willing and if somebody after a couple conversations i I realize they're not willing i walk away I don't, yeah. I don't, I just, I walk away and well, realize, you realize you know that what? they're not there right now. They're not where no. they need to be right now. And they'll yeah. be your anchor if you allow them to be, whether it's yeah. a family, friend, client, it don't matter. Or person yeah. or, you know, somebody you work with as a supplier or, yeah. you know, somebody you work in conjunction with, you need to understand they have to be willing, or at least it all goes back to that 70, 30 principle of mine. They have to 70% of the time make me excited. It better not be right. It's I'm sorry. Yes, it is about my excitement because this life is in session. This ain't a dress rehearsal. I am enjoying every moment of my last, you know, that other half of my life. And I'm not letting people slow me down. And that's my choice. Well, and in part one, we talked about my catastrophic failures that have propelled me to the success in which I experience life now, um, which is a joke. It's tongue in cheek completely. But the truth is, you know, I talked about the difference between pain and suffering and, you know, pain is experiencing failure. Suffering is reliving the failure. So what my job is to have the correct perspective right now, here and now in the moment in my life. And the correct perspective is to not dwell on the fact that I'm not as far ahead in my course load and my, my creating of my courses that I wanted to be. I'm not in, I, I'm not farther into the game than I need to be. My job is to have the accurate and correct perspective to say, I've got some wins here and I'm still headed towards my goals. So we can lie to ourselves and we can say everything's great. And we can say that, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got my vision board. Now I'm going to see that. 
But in the middle of that, we put the work in. So as long as the way I know that my positive attitude, my cup half full attitude is on track and not just lying to myself is the gauge of whether or not I'm putting the work in. And daily, I will tell you, I am putting the work in. So I know that even though, like I said, so to, so to wrap up that whole diatribe I had on, you know, oh, I, it took me over a year to realize a fraction of the goals that I set out in my epiphany, blah, blah, blah. So the fact that I know that I'm still headed towards that, on that trajectory to, to the epiphany that I've had, I have some successes. Between that, I'm putting the work in and I'm literally doing that. And that's a promise I make to myself. And you're then honest with yourself, though. For sure. But then I know I'm right. not I'm not telling myself stories and I'm not just hoping because we can hope dreams. We can hope dreams all day long. And um, and they'll never manifest. That's 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 my phone. Sorry about that. So no we can hope dreams all day long and they won't manifest until we put in the muscle behind them. So, you know, it makes me feel I have to choose to feel like I'm still moving forward, you know? A hundred percent, because I look at the fact of what I started in 2020. I started my brand, Give a Heck, in, in uh, July of 2020, started a process applying for trade names, applied for the trademark, did all this stuff. And I was going to have this course for this and that course for that. And I started the course process. I started these workshops, get, uh, ones that I had created earlier, getting them redeveloped into what I wanted instead of thinking I could do it, hiring people to do it. And they're still not finished. And at yeah. one point in time, I did I let it grip me. And I'm thinking, geez, I'm not far enough yet. But then I took away and robbed myself of all the other things that I had done. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I created a brand. I got a website, a professional website developed for that brand. I wrote a book. I created a podcast. I took away from all the wins because I was holding on to the fact of what I had succeeded at. But like you said, I've, what about all that stuff and realize and, and be kind to myself. I can be kind to others. And sometimes I forget to be kind to myself and realize, Hey, you know, you're still yeah. pushing forward. Maybe you haven't touched it in a couple of months, but look what you did accomplish up to that couple of months where something else was a, a, you know, more important or a distraction maybe happened. You can pick it back up. Yep. Look at how much you succeeded. Yes, you didn't succeed in the time frame. Sometimes we we are so hard on ourselves in regards to time frame, as you mentioned. In, For sure. So I mean, we we got to right? recognize the wins when we have them, but Absolutely. we can't we can't revel in the in the success and pat ourselves on the back because that's a limiting thing. Yeah. Um, but we we do have to recognize our you know our success along the way. But absolutely, it, it's a delicate dance. It's a delicate thing to to wrestle with ego and and be self congratulating enough to to keep on moving forward. And to, because to we recognize. can celebrate too long, yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> and then we can we can be boisterous and we can be. And ego is both good and bad, right? People always say ego is bad. No, you can have good ego too. It all yeah. depends how you look at it. But you're right. It, it's, it is a fine line because I've gotten, I look at wins in my life throughout my finance career at one point in time being the top in the top 10 of North America for production in my field and just all those different things. And I look back and think to myself, what happened a year later? Well, I sat back and I celebrated too long. And all of a sudden I was at a plateau and I was at a down. And then I, and then I had to fight past that and try to Mm -hmm. get past where I was stuck 
to get back onto the climb because I celebrated too long. And it was because I had some people in chirping in my ears, not necessarily giving me the best advice. They were, mm-hmm. you know, celebrate, 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 celebrate. When in reality, I should be like the coach of the Edmonton Oilers when they were going through the playoffs this last season. And they would say, they would ask him a question, you know, Oh, you guys won. You're like, look how far you've gone. You're in the next round, blah, blah, blah. How long are you going to celebrate for you? And he literally would pull up his watch and he'd look at his watch and go, Hmm, we got to be in a plane in about an hour and a half, 20 minutes. Yeah. And they go, what? 20 minutes. Because we have to keep our eye on the prize. Yeah, this is a step in the eye to our prize. So we're going to celebrate it, but we're not going to lose focus. Yeah. And I remember that conversation when they interviewed him and I, and it stuck with me. It's true. Mm -hmm. Everything I believed in about celebrating, he encapsulated it. So simple, right? Keep an eye on the prize. The prize is the Stanley cup. This was one stepping stone toward the prize. And we're going to congratulate, pat ourselves on the back, 20 minutes, and we're moving on. And I was just like, yeah, yeah that was awesome, right? Yeah. So a quick story here. I, one yeah. of the trips that I made back up to Canada was flying into Edmonton. And it was me and Judy. And, and uh, we're on the plane. And, and there was a layover in Denver or something like that. Um, I can't remember where, Chicago. It doesn't matter. But during it was like a two and a half hour three hour flight something like that so you get bored you start looking around and i start noticing the people around me and everybody's wearing a suit and the guys are all square jawed with great haircuts and um every you know the and then there's there's a guy two rows down from me and i recognize him he was a the i think the head coach it was it was glenn sailor from the oilers years yeah, oh, and years sather. ago sather, yeah, sather. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. right and and I looked at him and I recognized him and then it clued into me. Everybody around me is the Edmonton Oilers. And it was like, oh, my gosh, growing up in Canada as a Canadian kid, we, you know, Oilers and Gretzky and all the legacy and um, rest in peace, Bobby Hall, who recently passed. Yeah, and that my, broke my heart. My heroes anyway. on ice, you know, I yeah, never played uh, league hockey or anything like that. We played um, frozen lake hockey because we couldn't afford the gear. But pond anyway, hockey. But yeah, pond hockey, 100%. But it was this, you know, I don't know, it just made me think about it and smile. But it was this cool moment where I realized the power, the financial power of all these people around me and how serious they were. They weren't on a party. They were going to their next job. And professional athletes on that level, I've got so much respect for because there's so much at stake with them personally and professionally. And it was just this cool energy that I realized I was right in the middle of. And it was like empowering. I had nothing to do with them. I think I talked to the coach and recognized him and shook his hand. And um, and he was just super nice. And they just went on their way. I didn't fanboy or bug him or anything like that. But but it was this cool experience that I had. And it was affirming to me to realize that that success is possible. I wasn't in the moment of that. I wasn't having my own version of success. I think it might have even been before uh, all my TV stuff. But But it made me feel optimistic. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Like you talk about Gretzky. I got a quote of his in my book at the beginning of one of the chapters, right? Right. And people don't realize like, what did Wayne Gretzky say? Right. You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and, and hockey has been a big part of my life, especially if you see it on social, I have season tickets. I take, I I take, I take people to games. I take people to the games to, to the deacon from our church this this year i've taken my physiotherapist the other the other day he works on me because of my health issues i because t- i love people 
I'm introverted, but I'm extroverted when I want to be in very short periods of time. And I love it. And every time I go to a hockey game, I look at the work ethic of those people, as you mentioned. And it's still one of the, for me, out of all sports on the planet, I still appreciate it the most. For those listening that don't agree, that's fine. We can agree to disagree. But I think hockey players, the mental toughness that all sports players have to have is amazing. But hockey players, uh, again, they're they're jet setting like you look at people that play uh football in the u.s they're not traveling across borders they're stuck in the u.s basketball same thing hockey players are going between two different countries china and russia they're going all over the freaking place yeah they get very little sleep sometimes they play black-to-back games they played a game here recently the game ended at 11 30 i forget where they were playing it was eastern somewhere and literally they had to play the next afternoon. I forget which city it was in the U.S. They had to play less than, it wasn't even 18 hours later. They were going to be on the ice again and they still had to fly to where they needed yeah. to go. Talk yeah. about stick to and And yeah. it's not just the Oilers, it's all hockey. Well, no, teams. and they got to remain at the top of their game and healthy. And, and, and ment- ment- mentally, is, oh, mental yeah, tough for sure. But well, yeah, so know, I appreciate you bringing that up. No, for sure. But as you know, we've got a, a banging team down here, the Nashville Predators, and it's it's yeah. woken Nashville up to the uh, that competitive camaraderie of professional hockey. Ironically, me as a Canadian boy, born in, born in Lloydminster, Alberta, half the guys on the team when they went to the Stanley or when on the in the playoffs were from Lloydminster. <laughs> So it That's was this awesome. cool thing. Yeah, man. Kind of it was like a full circle moment for me. In, in well, do you way. know do you know most of the teams though? Like when they come, I look at the we get a little uh, like a brochure, I open it up and I count. Majority of teams in the NHL, more than 50% of their team is Canadians. Yep. And yep. then a third of them are from Europe. Yeah. Or possibly Russia. It's it's shocking to see how many you know I I get it the passion in the U.S. for hockey is great, but the the development of players at the level that needs to make it to the NHL isn't great enough. Whereas Canada's passion for it, and yes, you're right, Nashville's passion is growing big time. Especially, I'm trying to think of him as a defenseman. You know, he just retired when he went from Montreal to Nashville. Um, I can't think of his name, but anyway. It went from Montreal to Nashville, and that's when their biggest spark of passion started. This is about seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So it starts in a little little seed, gets watered, and that passion from Nashville to other teams is is now, you know, prosperous. You look at the top team in the league today, whether or not you follow hockey or not, top team is Boston. Yeah, I grew up loving Boston because Bobby mm-hmm. Orr was my guy, man. Oh, yo, he was my guy too, <laughs> absolutely. Right? Yep. I, I had love... straight guards. Do you know what? As a story, people have never heard this story. I wrote Bobby Orr. I wrote him as a young kid, and he sent back a, a letter and a personal one of his cards with his signature. It was not done by him. You can, and even I still have the envelope. He filled out the envelope, everything, and sent it to this kid in Camrose, Alberta, Canada, because uh, I idolized him growing up. And Isn't I still that have cool. that card. Yes. That's so. fantastic, man. I love that. I love the fact that that, that athlete and that personality recognize the fact that nobody gets there alone and without the support of people either watching them on TV or supporting their, whatever it is. Um, nobody, nobody is on this journey alone. And those guys know it. The guys that, that sign autographs in my industry as well, there's, there's celebrities that take it for granted. And, and there's people that recognize that um, there's other people 
that propel us towards success, right? Yeah, exactly. So I got one last closing question, but before we do that, did you want to talk, do you have anything else you wanted to bring up before we get into the, my last question for you? Um, you know, this has been such a great thing, unexpected, because we've just gone all over the map. Um, I had questions that I want to ask you personally and Go maybe ahead. even privately about, you know, financial stuff like that, you know, but but I've so enjoyed. I just want to say I've so enjoyed this conversation, the path we've taken, man. It's been really interesting. Yeah, well, thank you. We, I've got it. We can we can go a little bit over the time. I've I've got extra time. If you want to ask me a couple questions, go ahead. This, well, this is just is something that's occurred to me, and it's interesting because you and I uh, have gone through this life of I don't know. Let's call it financial growth and and education and learning and responsibility. Um, a transition from a cash society to a almost a digital currency or credit society. So in what's your best advice for somebody, me included, in in navigating this world in in transition right now? And it's left field of, of mindset and philosophy. But what's your best advice for somebody navigating this world that doesn't want to go full on digital bank transfer, uh, you know, online transactions only. I'm a cash guy. I grew up, I'm old enough to know that I had a paper checkbook and and paid with cash. And, and that was my way of accountability and financial responsibility. If I ran out of cash, I ran out of money. In this world today, how do we manage that? What's the best way to go through? And it may be a too big of a question to ask in a short period of time. But, but uh, you know, to for people like me that that are feel just a little bit lost in the world of of digital transfers How are you talking about just are you talking about bill payments or electronic e-transfers of finances yes. bill or, payments or, yeah and and honestly accountability personal accountability on you know i've got a credit card set up on my amazon account oh my gosh swipe right i can buy on my phone and it two days left so that to me takes me off course so what's a what's what's a correction for me to not overspend in this world when it's so dang easy to do without consequence? Well, part of what I t talk about in my book and part of what I've been coaching with my own clients in our country for the last 20 years is in order to live a life on purpose, not by accident, there's two main key catalysts that need to happen that I've been working on for years with people. One is something we've already talked about, goal setting. Yeah. And the next thing is budgeting. And understanding your inflows and outflows of money, because the rules of the money game are so simplistic, Kevin, but most we never are taught it. I was never taught it. I learned it. I was a train wreck, six figure income earner train wreck getting into this industry 20 years ago, and I needed help myself. And yeah. I didn't like my trainer. And I decided, well, what do I want for myself? What do I want to give to my clients? How am I going to heal, you know, heal myself? Well, I realized I didn't understand goal setting. Well, what do you mean? What does goal setting have to do with budgeting? And that's part of what I talk about in that little snippet, that video you mentioned in regards to what's on that I put in in regards to this week's podcast episode, which is my 14 minute speech that I did on the worst year of my life, 2008. Well, why was budgeting so important to me? Why was goal setting so important? So here, every time I've ever sat down with somebody and helped them you know, understand their inflows and outflows. And what I mean by that, people listening or watching, if you've got a dollar and you're spending a dollar fifty consistently, you're a train wreck. Yeah. It may not yeah. it may not have you may not have wrecked yet, but it's gonna catch up to you. 
right? And you're going to, it's going to affect your family life. It's going to affect mm-hmm. your mental and your emotional state of mind because you're going to be living on paycheck to paycheck. You're going to be like me at one point in time in my life, very, very successful, got my kids full time. And all of a sudden I was afraid to log on to my bank account for fear of seeing a negative balance and excited if it was a zero, right? And people don't get it. I've been there. I've been through the good, bad, and ugly in the last 20 years. I'd already been in the industry for six years when I had to do a reset and I had to look back at what I've been doing for my clients to be successful and reapply it to myself and stop being, you know, a hypocrite. And the fact that, you know, do what I say, but I'm not going to do what I say. Right. right? I had stopped right, following right. my own. I had stopped following my own advice, brother. And I had to realize, okay, what are my goals? So when I say to people, why do you need a goal set along with budgeting? Well, your goals tie right into your finances. So if my goal is to get out of debt, if I don't put that as an entry with inside my budget and understand and actually do a budget a sheet where you literally do different processes, one of them is called the snowball effect, where you can actually help people get out of debt very efficiently. Yes. Yeah. Get within a budget. It, it's very pain painless. You can teach them the process. Again, they got to be willing. We talked about this. So if they're willing to goal set with me, we goal set, I have 10 specific goals, which all have subcategories that I help people goal set through. And then I look at it and I say that just about every time it ties to money. Okay, so this is what you want. How bad do you want it? Now rank it from one to three. And then we're going to focus on all of them eventually, but let's focus on your top three and let's apply this to your budget. Oh, Do you know how to budget? Oh, most people take an envelope and they write on that envelope a few of their bills. That's not budgeting. Budgeting yeah. is putting down the fact, do you ever get haircuts? Now, you know, I don't anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, do you ever get haircuts? Well, yeah. Do you ever get oil changes? Yeah. Do you ever go to the movies? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to write all that. St- Why do I have to write all that stuff down? Does it come out of your bank account? Well, yeah, it comes out of my bank account. Well, then it needs yeah. to be put down. So that you're not that dollar guy spending a dollar 50. And then we look at all the numbers and put them down. And then I teach them the difference between a need and a want. What I've taught my kids since they were little, really little. Okay. Well, we need to free up some money here. You're spending all this. And now we've added in the fact you want to get out of debt. You want to save on a vacation. You want to save for retirement, which you, none of that you've been doing. One of my so successful clients hadn't been on a vacation in 10 years. And they're part of that speech that I talk about, obviously fictitious names, but it's a reality of somebody I helped. And I literally, once they got it, they started seeing success because now I put them in a pattern that they could follow and I was still going to be their mentor that they could call when they felt they were trapped and I could remind them of what they wanted to do. And I'd say, well, remember your goals? Remember what we wrote down? Oh, did you have your budget in front of me? People over the last 20 years will send me their budget and say, Hey, where do you see, we want to do this. This is a new goal for us. Where does this fit within our budget? Because sometimes people can't see the forest for the trees. They don't need Mm -hmm. to be the expert. They need to learn enough of it yeah. to stay on track, but they can still rely on me. And that's what a mentor yeah. is. That's what somebody so, that, right? Yeah. And the way you've answered my question is perfectly. And thank you for that. And uh, basically what you've said is that you have to set goals. You have to visualize the possibility of your success. And then you have to put the work in it and have the self-discipline in which to stay on that budget. The two key words I'm taking away from this are goals and budget equals success. Absolutely. So, you know, and 
and I'm not lost financially. I find myself getting in and out of bad habits every once in a while, but Judy and I are pretty much fiscally responsible. And, but, but things like, you know, I've got friends that are struggling and this, um, I've got a young guy that I'm mentoring right now and, and he just can't seem to get out of his, his space that he's in and trying, can't get past that. So the reason I wanted you to articulate that in your um, expertise is to where I can maybe make an analogy and 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 maybe you know in some small way help kind of guide him out of out of the hole that he's in a little bit. You know, well, anybody listening, I have offered it many times before. You reach out to me, go to giveaheck.com. You can email me, or if you're good at remembering emails, Dwight at giveaheck.com. Email me. I'll send you a, an Excel spreadsheet template that I that I created with some other people 20 years ago, and I recently had it revamped in 2020 or 2021 around there. So it actually has a pie chart that shows you your, that you're negative on your cash flow, And it literally, you can list all your stuff down. You also put, so you put your current life, you put your things that you want to achieve. You see your inflows, you see what it's going to be outflow. If you put all those added things in there, then you'll look at that budget and you can have a conversation with me over Zoom and I will literally say to you, okay, what's your needs and wants? I can do this all over Zoom. I've done it many yeah. times for people yeah. and I'll just say, you know what? So so is that a need or a want? And you have to answer that question. And, and yeah. if they're not sure, I'll, I'll say, well, why do you have that then? What does it do for your life? I make people right. think and I work mm-hmm. through that process so they can get to a, a very valid budget that they can find attainable and then you tweak it doesn't yeah. mean you look at it once every month you go february now you go back to january and you update all the numbers oh you put 400 for groceries and you spent 450 you got to change that you got to see a, an actual pattern of your math and your numbers you sleep yeah. better even if you're in massive debt you'll sleep better right because yeah. you know yeah, there's yeah. an end result that you can get to absolutely brilliant man awesome good stuff Dwight. so i know you got to wrap up and so do i i'm going to ask you one last question Sure. Kevin, if you were to give our listeners one last closing message, what would you tell them in regards to giving a heck and never giving up? Everybody has the opportunity to lead a life of service. We don't all have to be Mother Teresa. We all will have the opportunity to be of service to somebody, some way, somehow. Have that be one of your main goals and the back end will fill itself in. It will become its own reward or it will reward you in other ways. And everything else will fall into line. I'm a firm believer on if we can focus on that uh, in the big picture, great things will come into that wake and come in and fulfill our lives. Awesome. That's a fantastic ending message. Thank you, brother. Uh, yeah, man. Absolutely. Everything you've shared the last episode and this episode has been amazing. So I appreciate you so much. So I want to respect our listeners and your time. What's the best way that people can reach out and connect with you, brother? My main website is www.paintucation.com. Paintucation is a mix of paint and the last part of the word education. So paintucation.com. And that's where my Paintucation University is. And those are trade school styled online courses um, that have test outs, accountability, and even certifications out the other end of them. My new course is... Passion to Profit, Transform Your Automotive Hobby to a Successful Small Business. Um, the courses are very affordable, and um, they're born of my experience and how I've been able to hone my skills as a teacher and instructor 
and hopefully a mentor to somebody. So you can get in touch with me. My email address is always um, at the Paint Education website. You have access to my free videos, my YouTube channel, all my social media feeds. And, um, you know, everybody's on the socials these days. Look up Kevin Tates or Paint Education on any social media. You'll find me there. DM me. Hit me up. Say hi. Um, I'm a people person. I love people. I love meeting people. And and if I can ever help anybody in any way, please let me know. Awesome. And I'll make sure this is all in the show notes. For those that are new to the show, you can access the show notes at www.giveaheck.com and go onto the podcast portal. You will see Kevin's smiley face and you will be able to access all the links i'll make sure that the links are in there as well as the show notes will be there if you want to look up something specific that was talked about um and i appreciate it brother this has been fantastic and we're gonna wrap up and this what can i say this is everything i expected it to be and so much more so thank, thank you for you, your sir. time. I, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you for the opportunity. It's always great to catch up with you, Dwight. And uh, and thanks for letting me share a little bit of the piece of my world with your audience. And uh, I hope it's not the last time. Oh, absolutely. I have. Uh, I could see us having many more conversations. <laughs> so thanks so much for being on, brother. I appreciate your time and sharing some of your experiences so that others, too, can learn. It is never too late to give a heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to Give a Heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes, please check out my website, giveaheck.com and until next time together let us all strive to give a heck